Hi, this is Corey Turner, and along with my wife Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message. Who's been to Revival Night here? Gotta check it out. If you haven't been, just go visit. The thing is, once you visit, you just want to keep going. You have to exercise some self-control because <laughs> it's just so good. But I encourage you, if you haven't been to a revival night, get out to a revival night. Now, this month of September, as a church globally, we're going through Sharing Jesus Confidently. It's a course that the evangelist that's part of our house, Numa Church globally, Pastor Cherie, has written this course with a team all about us sharing Jesus confidently. So we started a few weeks ago um, with a streaming session with Pastor Cherie. That was great. And then last week we had Pastor Stacy come and share a word on being laid down lovers. She said, we can't actually share Jesus confidently unless we know what intimacy with God is, what the Father is, unless we have that intimacy. So what a great word that was, laid down lovers. Today, I'm sharing along the lines of sharing Jesus confidently. And Luke chapter 19, verse 10, it won't come up on the screen, this one. Pastor Sheree spoke about it, Luke 19, 10. Jesus says, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. For the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, came to seek and to save the lost. That is the heart of why Jesus came, to seek and to save the lost. We hear that so many times. We know it. That's how we got here. But that is the Father's heart. That is Jesus' heart. Sharing Jesus confidently. We, we have a whole course that we do in life groups. There was an intensive the other week. A few people have done it. One of the things Pastor Cherie says through this course is that there is only one way to the Father. We know that Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one else can come. No one can come to the Father except through me. So there's only one way to the Father, and that's Jesus. Right? There's only one way. But in sharing Jesus confidently, we say, but there's many ways to Jesus. There's so many ways people can find Jesus. And one of those ways is your story, is my story. You sharing your story to those around you where Jesus has placed you in your workplace, at uni, on the street at your family gatherings, at school, sharing your story. We all have powerful stories. Everyone's got a story of how they came to Jesus. Who came to Jesus just through a random person? Like just a random person? Just Jess? A few through a random person? Tell me how that happened, Jess. How I came to church? Oh, Ben. Ben. Yeah. Yeah. He was my random person. Was random. <laughs> yeah. You go, Ben was random. It doesn't look that random anymore, right? It's like, it's, ne- it's never random. It feels like it's random, but God is always at work. And he puts people around us. He's put, putting people, like, oh, I don't know where this person came from, but that person shared the gospel. He shared the gospel to Jess. And she's so fired up for God now. She loves sharing Jesus confidently. 
who came to God through family, through a friend who shared Jesus with them. Cool. Jazz, tell us how that came along. I was sitting in the lounge room with my mum and we were watching a Billy Graham like crusade on TV and I was like, I want to respond to that. So I went up, like in my lounge room on the floor, in front of the TV. Yeah. Because of mum, yeah, mum had it on. Yeah. And here she is at Yuma South years and years later leading us in worship. But there's so much more to that story. But that was through a faithful mum, faithful family, family that prays for us. Who came to Jesus just through them by themselves, just being hungry, being open, and they found God. Orlando, Paul, this is going to be challenging for you, mate. Tell me that in 30 seconds how that happened. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was hungry. I was something missing. I uh, had everything, um, and I was going to death, actually. I was going to death. Going to death? Yeah, yeah. So, and then God touched my heart through around people around. There you go. He was hungry, thinking of suicide, thinking, not suicide. See, don't put words in his mouth. You were going to death. You said you were going to death, though. You were involved in the guerrilla movement. So the guerrillas were going to get you down. Yeah, there you go. Hey, all these people sharing these stories, speak to them afterwards. We've all got a story. Hey, Steph, we've all got a story. See, our story relates Jesus' story, God's story. God's story is that God is holy. He's holy, but man and woman, man and woman, human beings, we're sinners. He's holy. Man is a sinner. And man needs a savior. This is the God story. Man needs a savior. He's holy. We're sinners. We need a savior. And then the good news is that Jesus came. Jesus lived. Jesus died. And Jesus rose again. But he is coming back. See, we all know this. It's all part of our story. But we get to share this confidently. So we know our part because God gave, God loved, we believe, we receive. This is sharing Jesus confidently. People need to know God gave, God loved, you believe, you receive. That's all part of the journey. For me, my story is that I grew up in Zimbabwe, a Christian nation, ex-British colony, the missionaries came in and they spread the gospel. And so you grow up around this place where you assume everyone's a Christian. You hear about it in school, there's religious education. People go to church, those that are not going to church say, oh, pray for me, pray for me. Everyone's sort of talking about it. So my parents didn't have so much time or didn't make time to take us to church because they were doing other things, great things, lots of sacrifices. But I didn't get to be in church all the time. Took us a few times, but then through what was called Scripture Union, which is like a Christian club in primary school, in high school, Friday afternoons, I would go to that in primary school. I loved it. Then I went to some camps, and it was on one of those camps when I was 12 in 1996 that I got saved, and I've never looked back. I've had highs and lows, struggled with different things, but through all that, 
God's been faithful. I've been faithful. I didn't have like this radical, crazy story. Oh, I used to do drugs and then God did this and that. Like everyone's got a different story. But my story was just like chilled, simple, but there's still power in that. And I've seen God being consistent. And through all that, he's been challenging me to trust him every step of the way. And all of it has been preparation for where I am today, where I'm going tomorrow. Everything we go through is preparation. And sometimes we can belittle our story and think, oh, there's not much in that, in that story. But people need to hear our stories. So what is your story? How did you come to Christ? And who do you get to share that with? So we all have a story. Would you say you've all got a story to share of how you came to Christ? We all have a story. But I think and have realized since I was 12, 38 now, so many years walking with God, that there's a tension that I faced as a Christian. And this tension is that as much as I know the good news, as much as I walk with God, as much as I'm saved, I still struggle to have this yearning, burning desire to share the gospel with people. It's cool sharing it in here, talking about it. But once I step out there, to even have the radar on, oh, that person needs Jesus. Or to even think at work, oh, what can I do to share the gospel, to share his love? I know it, but there's this tension. Then I hear people like Pastor Cherie talking about sharing Jesus confidently and just how she just wants to share the gospel in a cafe. When a plumber comes to your house, that's the thing you're thinking about. Or you see that they need prayer for something and you just want to pray for them. There's all these opportunities we get. But I'm just like, how come I don't have this burning desire for the Son of Man came to do what? To seek and to save the lost. That's what Jesus came for. That's what consumed him. That's why he had his disciples walking with him. He was here. He came to seek and save the lost. That's the number one thing. And I'm going, but how come that's not my number one thing? <laughs> and I'm the location pastor. And I still struggle with it. It's on my radar now. I'm thinking about it. I'm praying about it, but I'm still like, God, I need, I need to break through something. What is happening? So I'm thinking, what could be the reason why I don't have this? And it's not like a condemning, oh, Steve, you don't think of the loss. But it's actually Jesus' heart. People need him out there, right? So he's given us something. So I'm going, but why don't I have this burning desire to see people come to Christ? I'm like, maybe it's the environment that I grew up in because everyone knew about God. I thought about it. We're just like, oh, each to their own. They'll do their thing. I'll do my thing. Like, I was a Christian, still a Christian, but I would be in school and I just wouldn't even think of it in that way. I'll share in different ways. So I can think, oh, it's my environment. I think, oh, they didn't talk about the fivefold ministry, the evangelist equipping the saints for the ministry. People in many churches just rely, as we hear, on the evangelist being flown in, a guest speaker coming, invite your friends so they can come to Christ, and we just depend on that. Is that why I haven't had that desire to see people saved through my own story, through how he's worked? Or is it the fear of man? There's all these things. I lived in London for a couple of years. My wife and I just been married. We moved to London, and I went to this church called Kensington Temple, and there were big oh KT yeah you've been there before great church 
It reminds me of Richmond AOG, Richmond Temple, our own church, New South, which is all those names I just said except for KT. It was like a real similar church in the DNA. But probably once a month, as life groups, we would go out on the street, Trafalgar Square, and we'd start preaching the gospel. It's like, how do you do that, guys? You just start doing a rant, go to the shopping center, we pray. And I was so scared. But we'll just step out, pray, and start conversations. We'd get rejected by some. Some would open up. Some would come to Christ. Some wouldn't. But I was so fearful. But I'm thankful for that sort of church, that sort of training. We have the same things in our church, but fear of man will get in the way. And through Revival Conference, Revival Season, we've been talking about this. But as I continue to pray about it, God started to show me that Actually, the reason that I might not have this desire, like constantly thinking Jesus came to seek and save the lost, maybe it's because I'm lost in the house. I could be lost in the house. I've been a Christian for so many years, but I could be lost in the house. That is the title for the message God's put on my heart today, Lost in the House. So we're going to go to Luke chapter 15, 11 to 30, to get your Bibles out. It's going to be up on the screen. It's a story of the lost son, the prodigal son. And there's three characters in the story. There's the father of the two sons. There's the younger brother. And there's the older brother. It's a parable. Parables are earthly stories that Jesus used to teach that have heavenly meanings, that have kingdom meanings. Jesus would use his stories to just explain things, to illustrate. And many of us know this story. We've heard it so many times. But let's be open to what God wants to say to each of us personally this morning. So Luke 15, 11 to 32. Lost in the house. Let's go. Verse 11. And he said, there was a man who had two sons. As we look at this story, at those three characters, just be comparing them in a way. You know, I know we talk about the comparison trap, not in that way, right? This is not bad comparison, but just compare these characters, see what they're all about, how they react, and be thinking, who do I relate to the most in the story? So there's a man, he had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. So this son is asking his father, give me the property of the share that is coming to me. Father hasn't even died yet, and this guy's asking for his inheritance. He was the youngest son, and he's going, Dad, I want my freedom. I want it now. I want my share of your inheritance, which was a third of the father's estate. He says, I want it. Hook me up, Dad. Give it to me. I know better. It's like a teenager, just like, I want freedom. He doesn't know what freedom is, but he thinks this is freedom. You guys know the rest of the story, but let's keep reading. So dad, it divides the property between them. Verse 13 says, not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. 
squandered means it went from here, whatever money he had, whatever property he had, from here to absolutely nothing in a few days. I wonder what this guy was doing. He would have had many friends he was rolling with, clubbing with, dancing with, smoking with, hooking up with girls with. It talks about prostitutes and all these things. Whatever he was doing, he had many friends. But once everything was gone, as we read on, he had nothing left. So he gets his inheritance. He gets what he thought was freedom. Then he spends it all. And verse 14 says, And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country. How's the timing? Just when he spent everything, the GFC hits. COVID comes. The pandemic comes. People are losing jobs. It's harder to get jobs. He can't get anything. So it says, and he began to be in need. He thought he had all that he wanted, but he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate and no one gave him anything. That's how bad things were in that far country, in that famine no one was helping him out. If you see a homeless man on the street, you might drop him a coin. You might give him a lot. People would do a lot of things, right? But in this day, people had nothing because of the famine. He was just stuck with nothing. And he was hanging out with pigs. He was Jewish. He says he, he was looking after the pigs and he longed to eat what the pigs were eating. For the Jews, pigs are unclean. Even for us, we know pigs they want to roll with them. They're unclean animals. But he was desiring to eat what they were eating. This guy had hit rock bottom. Verse 17 says, but when he came to himself, other versions say when he came back to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger I will arise and go to my father and I'll say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. He arose and came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. And put on a ring on his hand and shoes and on his feet. Put on them shoes. Verse 23, And bring the fattened calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate. Bring the best beef in the country, in the village, and let's kill it and let's eat it. Let us celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. I love the father's heart. Verse 25 says, Now his older son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. What is going on? The brother's thinking, what is all this ruckus, all this noise? What, what is everyone celebrating? 
And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, this is what the servant says to the older brother. Verse 27, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry. This is the older brother. He cracks it. He refuses to go in. I'm not going in there. He says, I am not going in there. And what happens? His father comes out. And it says the father came out and entreated him. But the brother, this older brother, answers to his father. He says, look, these many years I have served you. I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, when this son of yours, he doesn't even say when my brother, he says when this son of yours who has devoured your property with prostitutes you killed the fattened calf for him and the father says to him son you are always with me and all that is mine is yours it was fitting to celebrate and be glad for this your brother was dead and is alive he was lost and he is found What a story. What a parable. We look at those three characters. Who do you relate the most to? We see the youngest son, he wanted freedom. He gets what he thinks is freedom and he lives a wild life. Other versions say he lived wildly. He lived recklessly. But then we see him hit rock bottom. He hits rock bottom. He's got nothing. But he remembers his dad. He remembers his father. He remembers who his father is. And so he repents and is restored. We see the father. The father was so loving. When the son asked, can I have my share of the property? It would have been hard for the father, but he said, here you go. And he still loved him. He let him go. He knew he was making the wrong decision. He let him go. Free will, just like our God gives us the free will to choose. But as the son comes back, as he re- wants to repent, it says, while he was still a long way off, the father saw him and he ran. He ran out to his son. And even before this, you know, the son had actually rehearsed his speech. We read that the son had rehearsed his speech. In verse 21, it tells us, And he rose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. That's all he got to say. What he had actually rehearsed was different. He'd actually rehearsed to say, say after that, let me be one of your servants. But before he even finishes to say, let me be one of your servants, the father actually gets his actual servant. And he says, hurry up, guys. Go and get this. Get the robe. Get this for him. The fattened calf. That's how gracious, how compassionate this father was. So full of grace. So loving. He celebrated. 
the return of his son. You know, Prem said today in communion that what we celebrate shows what's important to us, what matters to us. And we see what the father is celebrating. He's celebrating the lost coming back. See, two parables before this, we hear about the parable of the lost coin, the parable of the lost sheep. And all these parables were coming because Jesus was hanging out with tax collectors. He was hanging out with Pharisees. No, he wasn't hanging out with Pharisees, tax collectors and sinners. And in the Pharisees, who were the religious leaders, self-righteous, going, why are you hanging out with these lost people, these unclean people? And Jesus starts to tell these stories to show them how God's people, how God treats those that don't know him. And in verse 7 and verse 10 in this chapter, it says every time the lost coin was found, every time the lost sheep was found, it says that heaven and angels celebrated over the one. That's how God celebrates. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. So we see here this earthly father celebrating the return of the Son. So who do you relate to the most in this story? The older brother. We see anger. He's so angry. He's not happy. He feels entitled because he's done so much work. He stayed with the Father. He's been faithful. He's self-righteous. But in all that he was doing, I don't know how many years the younger son was gone for, but in all that he was doing, he actually missed the Father's heart. He totally missed the Father's heart. So we see one son lost outside the house, goes off, and there's a son who's lost in the house. He was there with his father in the house all these years, but he was actually lost. So I've been thinking maybe one reason that I don't share Jesus confidently, maybe one reason why I don't have a burning to see people come to Christ or actually that I don't share it why it's not on my heart all the time is because maybe sometimes I can be like the older brother I know God I'm working for God I'm relating to God I'm serving God I'm worshipping God I'm doing my devotions I'm loving people I'm doing all these things But the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. How do we know that we're lost in the house? How do I know if I'm lost in the house? Now I'm talking about being lost as a Christian, as someone who loves God. Being lost in ministry, being lost in serving God, being lost in the house. How do we know if we're lost in the house? The first thing is that we rarely pray for the lost to return to the Father. How often do I have it on my heart to actually pray for those that are lost to get to know God? How often do I pray for that? The next thing is, I know that I'm lost in the house if I don't reach out to the lost. If I'm not reaching out to the lost, not thinking about it, not actually reaching out, I reckon I'm lost in the house. And I've been in that place so many times and God is just intensifying this on my heart. Like we shared a few weeks ago, we're believing for a hundred souls 
to come to Jesus through Numa South by the end of the year. And we go, how is that going to happen? But it's when we're not lost in the house, but we're thinking of these things. We're praying for, for the lost. We're reaching out to them. We will see God move. God is just waiting for us to not miss his heart. How do we know if we're lost in the house? If we get caught up serving the Father, but miss his heart. If we get caught up serving the Father, but we actually miss his heart. God says to that to his son, not God, the Father says to, to his son, Son, everything I have is yours. But he is your brother. He was lost, but now he's found. He was dead, but now he's alive. And he didn't want a bar of it. All he focused on was, but for so many years I've been serving you. And the verb they use in that in that verse, to serve, actually means to serve as a slave. This son is saying to his dad, Dad, I've been a slave to you. I've been serving you as a slave. He doesn't know what he's saying. But he didn't need to be a slave. All he needed to do was to love his dad, be loved by his dad, and know his dad's heart. And his dad must have been talking about, Oh, my son, my son, who's lost my son? He would have been talking about it. He missed it. All he heard was, oh, my son, my son. When that son eventually comes back, the older brother goes, oh, this son of yours. He goes, this son of yours, because he knows. He's been talking about it, but he hasn't really been paying attention to that. So we know that we're lost in the house when we get caught up serving our father and Mrs. heart. We know that we are lost in the house when our hearts don't yearn to share Jesus confidently so that the lost can be found. I think there's something in there for all of us today. This is not to condemn anyone, but to actually get us back onto God's agenda for this revival that we're in. How do we know that we're lost in the house? We forget that the price has already been paid. We forget that the price has already been Jesus has paid the price. The brother had everything in the father, He didn't have to worry about the inheritance. The Father's like, everything I've got is yours. And Jesus has paid the price. Remain in me and I remain in you. Everything that is Jesus is from the Father. Jesus gives to us. But it's so easy as Christians in this earthly world to be so focused on working and ministering and serving so much we forget. It's like we're trying to earn God's love. And something I reckon is if we are not sharing Jesus, maybe we're lost in the house. I've said that already. But I want to be found. I want to be found sharing Jesus. I want to be found sharing Jesus' heart for the lost. That's what I want to be found doing. I want to be found doing that. So the main point today is this. Don't get lost in service. Don't get lost in service. Get consumed by the Father's heart. Don't get lost in service. Get consumed by the Father's heart. I'm not talking about getting caught up in this service, right? I'm talking about in that attitude, that heart of just serving, just serving, just serving, just serving. 
I'm not even talking about serving in teams. I'm just saying being a slave. Christ already paid for it. And God wants us to serve in love, but it's got to come out of sonship. It's got to come out of our relationship with him. You know, this older brother, I can relate to him so much. He actually didn't call in this parable, he didn't call his father, father. If you read back, there's no point where he actually said, father. He didn't even complain saying father. He just said, look. He said, look, this is what this guy's done. He didn't even refer to him as father. If you look back at this, you'll find that in um, verse 12, 18, 21, you see the younger brother saying father in verse 12. Even when he asks him for his, his inheritance, he calls him father. When he comes back to confess, he calls him father. When he's rehearsing his conf- confession, he says father. See, the older brother didn't know what it was to be a son. He didn't know what it was to be a father. But it was all right there. So we're to play our part in expressing the Father's heart with those he brings on our path. God brings so many people on our path. Every day there's people on our path. And we're to express Father's heart. His heart is grace. His heart is compassion. His heart is love. His heart is for the lost. So who are you reaching out to? In your workplace, on your street, in your family, at school, at uni, wherever God's placing, who are you reaching out to? At the cafe. Think about where you spend your time, wherever you spend your time. There's people that are lost. Lost just means they don't know God. There's so many people out there, they're lost. And fear of man creeps in, but once you just reach out. Whatever way God puts on your heart to reach out, you'll be surprised. We can tell you story after story. Ask Prem about the ice cream story. He'll tell you, we reached out to this guy in our ice cream shop, and the guy was so open, and we prayed for him. People are just so open. They have no clue. This next generation under us, they're just not being taught. They don't even know who God is. They don't know who Jesus is. I asked one guy once at a wedding, where I'd preached at the wedding or prayed for someone, I said, who's Jesus? Do you know who Jesus is? Because oh, all I know is that he's just a nice guy. That's all he knows. He's a nice guy. And we have that treasure of who Jesus is. And all we have to do is share that. Romans 10, 14, just write this one down. Romans 10, 14 says this. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How will they call on him? One, they have not believed. And how are they to believe of him they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? How? How will people know? How will people believe? How will people be called? We all have a story of how we came to God. You are to be part of someone else's story of coming to God. That's why God has given us the treasure. Who are you praying for while they're still a long way off? See, the father saw his lost son whilst he was still a long way off. 
could be some of your family members. Who is it that you're praying for while they're still a long way off? The father was there just waiting every day. It was on his mind. It was on his radar. But you don't hear anything about the brother. You don't hear anything about the brother, what he did. Like, what would you do if your sister or your brother left home, just ran, just went missing? You'd be looking, right? You'd be praying. You'd be going to the police. You'd do something about it. But we don't hear anything about what the older brother did. All we know is how he reacted. Does the older brother embrace the lost and found once again as brother? Does he embrace that? Does he recognize and embrace his sonship status and join the celebrations? His dad's like, come in, come in. But does he actually go in? Does he celebrate? The parable finishes there and doesn't tell us what the older brother does. So we put ourselves in the story for our own ending. Put yourself in the story for your own ending as the older brother who was lost in the house. Will we seek out the lost and embrace them? Let us all stand as we come close to an end. And the worship team, if you can come up. I believe in Numa South will be a house of celebration. Celebrating lost sons, celebrating lost daughters who are becoming found. I'm longing for the day when people come in and say, like random people, hey, so-and-so in your church shared the gospel with me. And I said yes to Jesus. And here I am, I am all in. I can't wait for that day. We see little trickles of it. We heard a story before. But I'm longing for that day where we, we're like, what do we do with this? There's so many people just coming in saying, oh, you know, 30. He shared the gospel with me. You know, David, his story of healing, that touched me. And I said, yes to Jesus. I'm longing for that day. And I believe that day is coming. I'm longing for the day when you come into church and you say, hey, Pastor Steve, Pastor Candice, how do I connect so and so that I shared the gospel with to Numa East, to Numa West? Because they're from my work and they don't live in this area, but they said yes to Jesus. Oh, how do I connect this person that started talking to me on Instagram because they saw my post where I was sharing Jesus with no fear of man. I just shared something and they, they said yes to God. And I don't know what churches are, are, are over there in South Africa, but can you guys connect me to someone? Because we're just sharing the gospel because we have the Father's heart. I am longing for that day. And one of the things I'm coming to realize again is that the greater your revelation of how much Jesus has saved you, the greater the revelation of how much Jesus has saved you, the greater your yearning to share Jesus confidently, the greater your heart will burn for the lost. 
God, give us a new revelation, a greater revelation of how we've been saved. Maybe we've been living like we deserve sonship. We don't even realise it. But Lord, we don't want to be like the older brother. We want to be like the father. Lord, give us our heart for the lost. Jesus, you came to seek and to save the lost. Thank you for joining us for this message today. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today, we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God. Sin has separated us from that relationship, but God loved us so much that He gave us His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived, died, and rose again, conquering sin, Satan, and death itself. If we believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So if you are ready to pray in faith, turning away from your sin and believing in Jesus for your salvation, please pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse my heart from all of my sin. I receive by faith the free gift of eternal life and I ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. I thank you that I am born again as a child of God and that you have made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to know and help connect you to a local church in your area. You can contact us on our website, numa.church. Thank you for listening.